So when you go into the diet, you drop calories, you add cardio. When you reverse out of the diet, you add calories and you reduce cardio so that you can reverse the symptoms, improve your biofeedback and get to a healthier place. Welcome to the Tailored Life Podcast, the fitness and nutrition podcast that helps average people achieve above average results and above average physiques so they can live an above average life. I am your host, Cody McBroom. I am a trainer and a sports nutritionist and the founder and CEO of Tailored Coaching Method as well as the Tailored Trainer app. And today I'm going to teach you everything you need to know about reverse dieting. Actually, I'm going to give you tactical tips, specifically five tactical tips about reverse dieting. Rather than giving you the whole spiel of what reverse dieting is, talking about metabolic adaptation, all that, uh, we'll link some of that in the description because we've actually become really well known as a company who helps people reverse diet. Uh, Myself and the coaches on my staff have literally coached hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people through reverse diets at this point. And uh, excuse me. And it's uh, it's been a really cool journey because it's taught us so much. It's uh, allowed us to help so many people. But more specifically, we've put out so much content on this already, so I'm not going to go into the whole spiel of what reverse dieting is. I will give you like a cliff notes version of that just over a couple minutes here in a sec. But if you are interested in learning more about the science, the research, the deep dive stuff, uh, we have put out so much content on reverse dieting. So we'll link that in the description of this podcast. We have uh, free eBooks and guides. We have YouTube videos that have tens of thousands of views on this. We have podcasts that go deep into it. We have a research review from our chief science officer, Um, Honestly, if you just Google search tailored coaching method, reverse diet, you'll find so much, or even Cody McBroom reverse diet, you'll find so much content around reverse dieting. And I highly encourage you to do that because I might miss some of the links that need to be put in the description of this to give you. Um, However, even if you just type in reverse dieting, you're probably going to see us. If you type in reverse dieting results, or maybe it's reverse diet transformation, reverse diet before and after, or all the above. We're like the first image is one of my clients, Meredith, who went through a crazy 13 month reverse diet uh, with me. And I have a case study of her on the blog actually as well. And you can learn and see how I took her through a reverse diet over 13 months. And I want to say her ending result was that she gained a pound, but she <laughs> looks night and day different. So shout out to Meredith if you're listening. But um, today I'm going to give you five practical tips because I'm currently in a reverse diet. Uh, and so I'm going to talk about specific things. I'm going to talk about the post show plan and how you need to go about that. I'm going to talk about limiting or eliminating or how to manage treats, snacks, goodies, all that kind of stuff. Uh, and what to think about going into your diet, into your show, into your photo shoot, whatever you're doing the cut for. Um, I'm going to talk about food selection and how much of it to change during and post diet. I'm going to talk about prioritizing health and stress management post diet. And then I'm going to talk about cardio post diet. Um, and these are going to be five specific keys. Cause I think these five specific things not only helps so many of the clients that we work with and I see uh, or people I see do really well with reverse dieting in general, but also it's exactly what I've been very tactical about and strategic with during my reverse diet. And it's allowed me to stay really on point post show because I just got done competing in men's physique and I've been able to stay pretty lean and uh, increase my calories and carbs quite a bit. In fact, I've already added uh, a thousand calories to my diet and it's only been three and a half weeks since I was on stage, which is a lot. Um, and I've reduced my cardio by half, but I'm still doing some cardio. And there's a lot of little things I'm doing in between the lines here that I'm going to go over that are allowing me to increase my calories during this reverse diet pretty aggressively and pretty significantly without the consequence of gaining a bunch of weight. Um, so I'm going to touch on a lot of this stuff today, and I think you're going to get a lot out of it. Uh, before we get into this topic of reverse dieting, I have some, uh, what do they call it? 
uh, it's not cleaning house, I don't think, but um, I have some specific things to kind of touch on before we get into it. Just a couple, um, but that I think are really important. So make sure you, you pay attention, you listen to this, because I think you guys are going to want to hear this stuff. So the first one is that for anybody who is a Android user, which is probably the minority at this point, I feel like Apple iPhone has taken over, but I know a lot of people have been reaching out to me about the tailored trainer and asking, when is the tailored trainer going to drop in the Android store? Um, and it has taken a while, I will say, and I apologize for that, but there is so much more that goes into app development than people realize. And uh, one of them is that you don't just upload an app and it goes everywhere. You, there's a specific Google Play app store and there's a specific Apple iPhone app store. Uh, but the good news is, is that it is now live in the Android store. So if you have a Android phone and you want to get access to the Taylor Trainer, you can now do so. So go to the app store. If you have an Android or the, the Google Play store, or whatever it is, uh, type in the Taylor Trainer and you can download it now. Uh, you get a seven day free trial. If you do not have an Android and you have an iPhone, it has been on there and you also can get a seven day free trial. We've been making updates and adjustments and tweaking it. Um, and I actually have a meeting coming up soon to really start looking into the next features we're going to be dropping in the app, which I'm excited about because it's something that we can continue to renovate and upgrade and improve as time goes. So make sure you go check that out if you want uh, access to the Taylor Trainer, if you are a coach who needs guidance on your programming and you don't know how to really program design super well for your clients, it's full of great programs and examples. There's also a private video library that has a lot of education videos from me that is exclusive to the app. And we're going to be adding to that more and more over time. There's loads of programs. There's there's a lot of good stuff. And I'm going to be adding some new programs. Now that my show's over, I have like, one, I, I've been accumulating a lot of new methods and strategies and stuff that I used along the way during my contest prep. But I've also had a lot of really crazy transformations since then too, because um, I've been able to I mean, honestly, like the, the reality is, is that when, when I did my show, one of the goals was to inspire people. And so a lot of people came on board to TCM and they really wanted to transform their physique as well. Maybe not get on stage, but they wanted to do something. So I've been uh, testing a lot of these methods with some of my clients and man, they're working great. And the feedback has been insane. So I'm getting ready to uh, upload even more of these tactics into the app. So go check that out. You can head over to uh, the tailoredtrainer.com or you can just go to your app store and just search the Taylor trainer and you can get access to your seven day free trial. The next thing is that we are going to be adjusting the podcast schedule as well as putting out some really cool new content. So as we get closer to the new year, I've been developing systems and really getting strategic with my content plan for 2024, but I'm the type that if things are ready, why would I wait for the calendar to tick over? It's just a calendar date. I don't really care about that. I'm not going to wait. So we're starting to implement some of this stuff now. And this includes my content uh, personally, as well as the content for the Tailored Coaching Method team and company. So um, go check out at Tailored Coaching Method on Instagram. You'll see some of these new videos and before and afters and um, this new branding we did uh, that we brought somebody in to help us with. Shout out to Kevin. And it's been just so sick. So the page looks amazing. We're going to be taking that to the site. So we're doing a lot of like revamping and stuff. So go check that out on Instagram. Um, but with the podcast, what we are doing is we are going to be shifting to one episode a week, which is a big drop. At one point we were doing three episodes a week, which was a lot. Then we shifted to two episodes a week, which is what we've been doing for quite some time. And by the time this airs, it's probably been about two or three weeks now that we've done one episode a week, which is intentional. And I'm just going to be completely transparent with you guys. The reality is, is that as a content creator and a business owner, and most of all a coach, you got to be able to systemize, delegate, and manage your time properly. 
And although I love the podcast, it's probably my favorite medium. It does take a lot of production time. It take, There's a lot that goes into it. And for me to A, do other aspects of coaching and content creation that I've been putting on the back burner that I want to do, and B, not just keep the production value the same going into 2024, but actually increase it, make it better. We have to level up uh, the quality and the time that goes into each and every episode, which means that we're going to be going down to one episode a week. So typically what we're going to do is we're going to alternate between solo episodes. So you're going to hear me either doing a Q&A or an episode like this where I specifically talk talk on a certain topic. Um, or you're going to hear an interview with a guest, um, an expert in some field, uh, most likely fitness and nutrition though. And I have some really, really cool guests, some that I'm super excited about, a couple that just dropped recently that I think are super valuable. Um, we just had Enrico Incarnati on the podcast. We just had, um, as you're listening to this, I believe Austin Stout, which is a gut health expert in the bodybuilding space. Amazing, super valuable podcast. I got an episode coming up with Steve Kuklo, who is, uh, Man, I, I used to read flex and muscle development magazines with him on the cover. It's wild that I've been able to connect with him and um, we have mutual friends now and it's just, it's a huge blessing to be able to associate with him. And I'm very, very excited to do, to record that podcast. Um, I, I got a bunch laid out that are just going to be phenomenal. Um, some more really great female guests that are just powerhouses in the industry coming on the show. So I can't wait to get all these out, but we're putting more effort into getting top-notch guests. We're putting more effort into the strategy and the scripting and topics of these podcasts. Um, and we're going to put a lot of effort into the Q and A's too, because those are important. I know you guys like those as well. So what I want you to do is make sure that you go leave a five-star rating review. If this podcast has touched you, if it has helped you, um, if you've been listening for a long time, if you want to support myself, the podcast, the team, the company, and you've never left a, a, a review or a rating, please go do so. It helps us more than you know. And the more ratings and reviews we get, the more likely it is that we can actually put more back into the podcast from an effort, financial, and time perspective, which allows us to level up the podcast even more, get better guests even more, and put the podcast out on different platforms for you. Now, the second reason we're not going to be doing more than one episode a week is because we're getting back on YouTube. Um, and as you're listening to this, YouTube's already up. So make sure you go to YouTube. I believe my channel is youtube.com slash Cody McBroom one, the number one, for some reason, I can't just have my name. No idea why, but go check that out. I'll link it in the description of this podcast too. We're getting back on there. And, uh, you know, YouTube's a funny one that has been, it's been tough to crack of like what we want to do with it and going over, uh, you know, actually getting strategic and hiring a consultant to do this with me, like looking over the data of what has worked really well in the past. What do people tend to watch most? What are my most popular videos? they come down to vlogs. Like people really like seeing the real raw, authentic me outside of scripted content. So we're doing vlogs and, uh, I have somebody who is hanging out with me every single week, shooting these videos with me. And he is phenomenal. Um, he's actually one of our clients Shout out to Brandon Clark. We're going to have him on the podcast. Actually, we're going to do a Q and a together. Um, cause we were talking, I was like, do you need to come on the podcast? Cause he's down over 80 pounds with us. So he's been a client of ours and it's going to be cool to have his voice on the podcast not only as a client, but also as somebody who is really into this stuff, right? And now he's creating content with me and hanging out with me. Uh, but we're going to be uh, working on this vlog uh, series together. So we're doing a reverse diet series first. So you can go check this out now. There should already be a couple episodes out by the time you listen to this. Um, at least one, if not two, maybe even three. Uh, I got I can't remember my schedule of when this drops, but really, really cool. You get to kind of see behind the scenes. Um, I share some like never seen uh, stage shots and videos of me, uh, what I'm doing with my diet, my training, my cardio as the reverse diet goes on my physique updates. You can see me gain weight. 
then we're going to actually, uh, we're gonna, I mean, we're documenting everything. So my recovery days, my, my day of eating training session, different training sessions, how I'm doing cardio, my blood work, we're going to really document. And, uh, and I'm the, the type of vlogger or document content guy or whatever you want to call it. Well, I'm not just going to eat on camera, you know, where you're just following me around and I'm eating on camera. Like I educate. So if I'm eating a meal, I'm going to tell you why I'm eating that meal, what's in that meal, the micronutrient breakdown, the macronutrient breakdown, the timing of the meal and why it's intentional in the sodium. Like I go in depth. You guys know this. I am a science based coach and I like providing value and I like teaching. So we're going to do that with the training sessions, the cardio, the recovery sessions. When I do infrared or sports massage, like I have this reverse diet is so dialed in which I'm going to share a lot of today, but we're going to be documenting these things. So everything you hear me say in today's podcast is going to be video documented over the course of like six weeks, probably um, as we go through this reverse diet. And then we're going to go into a gaining phase and I'm going to document and educate on my whole entire gaining slash bulking phase. So I'm excited about this. You're going to see a lot of really cool content on YouTube. So make sure you go over there and check that out. But nonetheless, those are my two updates uh, for this podcast. Now we can actually dive into the content. I got to take a drink of my Rockstar. You guys know that I can't kick those. I actually tried to kick them. Funny enough, I bought, um, what are they called? Crystal Ice or something. They're uh, those like sparkling waters, but they made like their own energy drinks and it has like half the caffeine. I was like, you know, what? I'm going to try these and they're good. But man, I just need, I need a, a the like energy drink flavor, like that classic energy drink flavor. I just love that so much. If anybody knows of a caffeine-free carbonated beverage that tastes like an energy drink, like classic Rockstar, classic Red Bull, classic Monster, whatever it is, let me know. I would love that. That's Maybe that's what I'll invent because that's I need that in my life. Okay, reverse dieting. First and foremost, Cliff Notes 101, what is reverse dieting? Reverse dieting is when you get done with the diet and you need to slowly but surely re- fresh recover and uh, basically just reverse out of the the diet that's what you do that's what a reverse diet is point blank so a reverse diet is literally reversing usually your intake uh, but overall your calorie balance so whether that's because you're doing cardio a bunch or you're dieting uh, by dropping your calories super low or a combination of both you're reversing these aspects so you're reversing the sense by if your calories are super low you're going to be slowly bringing them up you're reversing those adjustments you made downwards upwards. If you do a bunch of cardio, you're reversing the time you've added and the days a week you've added of cardio, but you're bringing them back. So you go from a lot of cardio to less cardio. You go from a little bit of calories to more calories. And you do this until you approach your new maintenance calorie balance. So you're trying to find that maintenance level where you can maintain a healthy weight. And you do this after the diet because after the diet, typically you've stressed your body and you've gone down in weight, you've gone down in calories, you've gone up in stress. So you've been accumulating fatigue and stress over the course of a diet. We call it diet fatigue. And your biofeedback takes a hit from that. Biofeedback being, of course, the deeper side, hormones, blood markers, things like that, but also things like just general stress, fatigue, sleep, mood, irritability, cravings, adherence, hunger, um, energy, strength in the gym, like digestion. There's a lot of things that are related to hormones, related to stress management, um, related to gut health, related to just general lifestyle adherence and sustainability, all of which are typically correlated and intertwined, but we want to reverse those symptoms. So what we're trying to do during a reverse diet is reverse the way we brought our calories down. We're going to bring our calories up the way we added more cardio. We're going to take some of it away, uh, but not all of it, which I'm going to cover today. 
uh, until we get to a point where we're at maintenance calories, we're at maintenance body weight, and we are at a homeostasis from a health and hormone perspective. That is the process of a reverse diet. The more weight you lose or the uh, more aggressive your diet is, or just the leaner you get in general. So uh, the more weight you lose can be relative because if somebody goes from, you know, they're obese and they lose a hundred pounds, they're going to be healthier at the end of the diet. But if somebody loses 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 pounds and gets completely shredded, like for stage or for a photo shoot, or just gets too lean during their diet, they actually might want to gain a little bit of weight afterwards. Their reverse diet is going to be more so about recovery. The person who loses a hundred pounds is probably going to feel better. They're going to be healthier. They don't need to reverse their calories up nearly as much. It's going to be a smaller road. But in general, we're not going to dive into the nuance of where your numbers should be and how, you know, what the percentage of increase in calories are and stuff. I'm giving you tactical tips today that are going to go beyond the calories. So in general, I wanted to break down what a reverse diet is before we get in this because I feel like that's just necessary. I feel like you need to do that. A reverse diet is reversing the symptoms that a diet creates for you. And you do that by reversing the adjustments you made going into the diet. So when you go into the diet, you drop calories, you add cardio. When you reverse out of the diet, you add calories and you reduce cardio so that you can reverse the symptoms, improve your biofeedback and get to a healthier place. You can do this pretty aggressively and quickly, or you can do this pretty slowly. Typically doing it pretty slowly can lead to less fat accumulation. However, that can also lead to less improvements in your biofeedback, because if you go too slow and you don't put on more weight or body fat, your symptoms from a hormonal perspective could be linked to the lower level of body fat that you have, not just the calories. So a lot of times people go so slow with the reverse, they don't actually fix the symptoms because the symptoms are related to how lean they got. So we have to be careful with this, right? Um, about going too slow. Sometimes we want to go faster during reverse. However, there's also times where we want to go slower because maybe the person doesn't need to add too many calories back because they lost a lot of weight and they they just have a lower maintenance now, or maybe they have uh, some past body image issues and we don't want to rapidly gain weight and cause those to resurface. So there's times where we do either one. There's no right answer. It's all individual. And that's why when we work with clients at Tailored Coach Method, it's always different. Every client we work with is going to be a different case study. It's going to be a different situation. We're going to take them through a different path in a different way. Okay. So what the first aspect of this is, and this is what I did. And again, so I'm going to talk about the five tactical strategies I had going into this. And I had these strategies in mind before I even started my reverse. So I thought about these things. I actually wrote these things out. I planned these things out. And of course I hired a coach. So obviously I had somebody who was my prep coach and I brought in a new coach. Um, shout out to Luke Miller, who runs uh, his company's No Switch Fitness, uh, but he is primarily educator with J3 University, who I had John Hewitt on the podcast not too long ago. And I actually will have Luke Miller on the podcast soon as well. Um, extremely intelligent guy, uh, especially in the bodybuilding physique space. Um, and so I brought him on. And so I had a, a plan in mind and then I kind of presented to him and uh, as we started, and then he kind of took over, added to it, tweaked it, did whatever. And then we went from there. So the the big thing here, though, is, is all of these things I'm talking about, I had intentionally already set in place before I started, uh, before I got on stage. Now, I didn't do this before I started the diet. And you don't need to do these before you start the diet, because that's a long, that could be a long journey, right? I was on prep for a, a, quite a while. But my point is, is I thought about these tactics before I even did it. So this is, and, and this actually directly links to point number one. The first step in a reverse diet, the first and most important tactic or strategy you need to think about or consider when going into a reverse diet actually starts before the reverse diet because the tactic or the strategy is to have a plan before you finish the plan. Meaning, do you have a post-diet plan? If you don't, 
you need one and you need one before the diet is done. This is your exit strategy. This is your reverse diet. This is your plan to execute on for the second the diet is done. So when I walked off stage, I began. I didn't have to go think about it or try to do it or anything. Yes, I had these tactics and these strategies, five things I'm gonna share with you. I had those in mind, but I also knew what we were gonna do. What was my next goal? What was the plan with my calories? What was the uh, like the next week gonna look like? Should I go do a cheat meal? Should I train this week? Is it a deload week? Do I like try to go balls to the wall because now I have more carbs in my system or do I need to like hold back because I don't wanna strain something, which is the answer. But like, what am I gonna do here, right? So I had a post-show plan ready before I even stepped on stage because, you know, uh, at the end of the day, because of this, I stepped off stage knowing exactly what I was gonna do and why I was gonna do it and how I was gonna execute it. And so there's a lot of different cat. Uh, categories or or things within this post diet plan, but if you go into it with a plan, you're going to be uh, it's going to be a much safer and more productive path for you after the diet is done. You're going to have a much more successful reverse diet because you did this. Now, there's elements of the post diet plan that I would suggest doing. The first one is you should know where your calories are going to go, right? So ideally, you have a coach because they can take care of this better. But if you don't, you just have to do some some simple math. The reality is, is that when you step off stage, your maintenance calories are not the same as your maintenance calories when you started prep, right? Or if you were doing a photo shoot, they're not the same as when you started the photo shoot diet. If you were doing a regular diet, they're not the same as when you started that regular diet. And the reason for this is because metabolic adaptation takes place during a diet. And that's fine. There's nothing wrong with metabolic adaptation. This is a normal process. In fact, when you're reverse dieting and you're increasing calories, guess what? That's metabolic adaptation. If your body is accumulating and adjusting and adapting to the calorie increases as you go through the reverse diet, metabolic adaptation is taking place. All metabolic adaptation is, is your metabolism and the systems and the regulating factors that control your calories in versus calories out, your caloric balance and needs, they are adapting based on what you are consuming, based on how much you are moving, based on your health, based on your training. That's metabolic adaptation. Well, if that's metabolic adaptation, guess what? You can do that in either category, going down in the diet or going back up after the diet, right? So the point is, is that we need to do some simple math. Now, if you started the diet six months ago and you were, let's say 25 pounds heavier, well, at 25 pounds heavier than you are right now, you have more mass on your body. You have more tissue, you have more fat, you have more muscle potentially too, because sometimes we lose muscle during a diet. And even if it's not really muscle tissue, it could be muscle glycogen, right? Which is water and carbohydrate stuff stored in the muscle because you get depleted. So if this is the case, then we know that metabolic adaptation is gonna take place in a sense where you need more calories at the top end of the diet. So if you need more calories at the top end of the diet, then what does that mean? Well, that means that you are in a place where you can burn more calories per day at maintenance because you weigh more total weight. You're, you have more total mass, which means you require more calories to survive, which is the, the most simple way of looking at this, right? The most simple way of looking at this is that when you are heavier, you need more calories to survive. You need more calories to move. You need more calories to function. Your systems need more calories Everything needs more calories. You have more tissue, right? You need to preserve that tissue, be that organ tissue, skeletal tissue, muscular tissue, body fat is tissue, like everything, right? So the point is, is if you lose 25 pounds, you're 25 pounds lighter, you don't need as many calories. So your reverse diet might be 
you reversing back up to a new maintenance. And that's the math you got to figure out. You got to figure out what your new maintenance is. Now, maintenance is a range. We have to remember this too. So because maintenance is a range, your maintenance isn't going to be dead set 2,200 calories. It's going to be somewhere between 1,800 and 2,400 if you calculate it to be 2,200, right? And that gives you a 200 calorie buffer on each end. Could be 250, could be 300, could be 100. It depends on the person. So there's no perfect number here and there's no research study to say what the exact range is. And that's why when you're doing a reverse diet, you're making adjustments as you go to try to find where that range is. But if we know that there is this range, it's probably a good idea to err on the lower side of the range because when you get done with the diet, fatigue is high. So you might not be moving a lot, right? So once you get to the bottom end of that range, you might pick up your activity, your neat, your BMR, your movement, your talking, all these things and start burning more calories per day, which lends itself to allow you to adjust upwards and start creeping up towards the top end of that maintenance range, right? Now, I said I wasn't going to dive too deep in the calories and all the, the science and the details of that. So I'm going to stop there. But the point is, it's pretty simple. You need to have an idea of where your calories are going to go. You need to have an idea where your macros are going to go. You need to have an idea of what this week looks like. Do we immediately jump up to that? Do we take a few weeks to get up to that? What do I do with my cardio? What do I do with my my diet? What do I do with my training? You know, How long is this going to take? What's my next goal? What do I want? long-term, right? This is why we factor in our coaching so much emphasis on the maintenance phase, because when we go from a diet to a maintenance phase, it's a process and it's a different process for every person. But the biggest plan is that you need to have a post-show plan, right? I wrote post-show plan in my notes here because obviously I'm coming off post-show, but you need to have a post-diet plan. The post-diet plan is whatever you're going to you're gonna do after your diet is over, and you need to know exactly what you're going to do, why you're doing it, so it makes sense and you have buy-in, and you need to know how you're going to execute it. You should probably have some accountability with it as well. Now, the second thing that is really important during a reverse, second tactic, second thing I did, and again, I'm talking for myself right now. I'm going to speak on my experience and my, hist- my this this most recent prep, but this is this is a fact with everybody. Now, this is way more common during physique shows. People do this all the time. But it's also one of those things where there's a lot of people who do this just with any regular diet. And uh, they stock up on treats, snacks, and goodies. And that's what I did not do. So the, the next tactic, bullet number two, strategy number two, tactic number two, is do not stock up on treats, snacks, and goodies before you do a show. We see this with uh, or a diet or any anything of any kind, really. Uh, but we see this commonly with people who get on stage. What they do is they stock up on stuff. And I mean, it used to be crazy. Like people would be stocking up on their favorite Oreos, Ben and Jerry's. Like they would get home from a show and their fridge was just full of shit. Their pantry. Don't do that. Do not do that. When you get done with the diet, you shouldn't be fantasizing. Look, if you are in a state where you're dieting so aggressively and so hard that at the tail end, you're fantasizing about food and what you're going to eat after it's done, that's not a good sign. And this is why we want to take diet breaks and and things like that along the way so we can save ourselves from doing that. We want to lower diet fatigue and improve diet psychology and the stress of the diet along the way to avoid that. Now, when you're getting on stage, it's a little bit different because there is a sense of just mustering through it and ignoring like literally going, yeah, I do have that, (laughs) like uh, those urges. And I I am fantasizing about those a little bit, but you just got to like grind your teeth and get through it. It's a competition. It's different. But if you're just dieting just to lose the weight and you don't have a competition or or a photo shoot or or something that you're like a career 
athlete of some kind. And this is where like, I have to be a chameleon when I coach people, because I have people in each category. You gotta, you gotta flip the switch because you can't get to that place. If you don't have those competitive goals or you're not getting on stage, you're not doing those things. Now for me, immediately post-show, I focused on getting hydrated and I, and just simply eating a satisfying but healthy meal instead of falling victim to my temporary urges to eat every cookie crumble that was on that menu that week, uh, which was tempting, but I did not. I just focused on eating something that tasted really good. It filled me up and I just wanted to get a good night's rest, right? And I avoided buying the treats and, you know, when food is deprived before you get done with the diet, right? Especially on stage, right? I was food deprived. I was calorie deprived. I was uh, like, if I wanted something like that and I bought it beforehand and saved it, it would have, no, it's a bad idea. In fact, I even went, I went to stop for gas on my way home. I drove by myself. My daughter rode with my wife and I went to get gas. And I was like, I'm going to go inside and grab another Gatorade just to keep hydrating. And I'll grab my daughter a little something like a little treat or something. And uh, I walked around the gas station a couple times. I'm not going to lie. And I saw like some of my favorite candy bars and and stuff that I don't even like eating. I literally don't eat candy. I don't ever crave it, nothing. But when you get to that place, you want it. And so obviously I took it to the extreme because I was getting on stage. But if you're in that state when you're just regular dieting, it's not a good sign. You want to be able to get to the end of the diet and not feel that way. You don't want to be so food deprived or so restricted that you're literally stocking up on shit like that. It's just not a good or safe thing to do. Now, what I suggest doing is still having some kind of free meal, right? And so for me, what I did is post-show, my wife had something in the crock pot. It was like a Tuscany chicken. So everything was like natural herbs and all that. It was cooked with like these, some kind of like, I don't know if it was Roma tomato. I don't know some kind of little tomato things. I don't know if it was Roman tomatoes, some kind of little tomatoes, some Italian seasonings, spinach, um, and then chicken. And it was done in the crock pot. It just melted in your mouth, fell apart. It was so good. A lot of garlic, um, artichokes were in there. Um, and then we did, uh, white rice cooked in bone broth, which I was craving, um, chicken broth, which is amazing. It tastes like freaking top ramen. And that was my meal. I came home and I wanted a meal that was going to fill me up, give me good nutrients. I wanted to hydrate and I wanted something that tasted really like wholesome and good, but it was healthy because I knew, and this is why I wanted to do this. I knew I was still going to have a free meal the next day, but I wanted to have that free meal when I had more, let's say equanimity, more control around the chaos. I had more control over my emotions. I had more, um, I was satisfied. I wasn't hungry anymore. I was just craving something that I haven't had in a long time, which allows me to put myself in a mental state that is stronger. And that's the big ticket. So if we finish a diet, we don't want to run to whatever we've been craving about or thinking about. We want to give us some time. And the biggest thing here still is, is if we increase our calories or even, even just for me, that was one day getting enough calories in before the day of my free meal. But in general, if we start the reverse diet with clean whole foods, and I know that sounds like everybody hates that word, clean food. And look, we're big proponents of flexible dieting, but let's be real. The reverse diet's gonna do its job by increasing calorie intake, increasing micronutrient deficiencies, and last but not least, increasing your body weight, potentially. Sometimes, if you you are too lean, you need to put some body fat on your body to restore some of the hormones. But the first two have nothing to do with food types necessarily. They do in the sense of like, you got to get micronutrient dense foods, right? And you want to get whole foods to fill you up and calories in. But going to pizza, 
gets you a lot of calories. It will do the job that you need it to do as far as fixing the fatigue, but it's also going to likely overshoot you. You're not going to get the micronutrients and it's going to trigger a lot of binge uh, behaviors and a lot more cravings than something like Tuscany chicken in the crock pot, which was delicious, but that's not going to cause me to overeat because it's not highly palatable like pizza or Ben and Jerry's or cookie crumble is. Right. So we want to avoid those things when we're in a food deprived state, because that's what's going to lead down a tailspin of binging and regaining the weight, which 95% of people do. Research shows 95% of people gain the weight back after they're done dieting. Now, the reason that study might be a little bit skewed is because the reality is, is that a lot of people have dieted, gained the weight back and then did it the right way the next time, which I'm guilty of. So I'm in that 95% category, not anymore, but at one point I was. So we have to take it with a grain of salt, but Nonetheless, it's extremely common, whether it's 95 or 80 or 70%, it's still very common for people to regain the weight after they diet. And so if we can avoid immediately going to those highly palatable foods, we are going to avoid a lot of those cravings and binges. And that's the big things here. I'm not stocking up on treats and snacks and goodies so that immediately post-show I go binge and eat a bunch of shit. Instead, I want to encourage people to finish their diet, finish their stage show, competition, photo shoot, whatever it is. And eat wholesome foods to get the calories in you need, get the micronutrients you need, and slowly but surely increase calories to repair the fatigue and the hormonal adaptations from the diet before you go and eat these highly palatable, uh, let's say, if it fits your macro foods, because those are the foods that are going to be the ones that trigger cravings and binges and things like that. You can fix the the issues and the problems in any fatigue that did accumulate, which not everybody diets to a point of getting super fatigued and needs this. But regardless, if we're doing a reverse diet, we're most likely trying to repair some of that diet fatigue. If we can do so with the right foods, we can avoid overeating. We can avoid uh, body fat overshooting, which is accumulating too much body fat too rapidly, which can be a long-term issue where that fat is really hard to lose later on. And by the time we are like, okay, now our calories up, biofeedback's better. My blood works good. Hormones are good. I feel good. I think I'm going to, I'm at a good place. My calories are high enough. I can fit some of these uh, fun foods in. You don't really want them as much. You've gotten to the place where you're like, I don't need them. And then when you go to eat them, you can control them and they don't cause those binges because you've repaired from the deprived sense. And look, saying that you're a little deprived during a diet isn't the most negative thing in the world. Like people like to sugarcoat it, but let's be real. A calorie deficit is calorie restriction. Calorie restriction means that you probably can't eat a lot of those foods if you want to stay full and you want to get the most out of a diet. Let's just be real, right? Hey, sorry to interrupt this podcast, but I briefly want to mention my company, Tailored Coaching Method. I found a Tailored Coaching Method in 2017 as a way to help people lose weight, build muscle, and transform their lives because I began to see that every other area of people's lives started to change and get better and be more successful when they got in shape and they felt better in their skin. And since then, I've built an entire team of world-class coaches who help people around the world transform right before our eyes. And because you're listening to this podcast, I got to imagine you want to get in shape too, or you're already in shape and you're looking to take it to the next level. Either way, we are the company for you. We specialize in body composition and we can help you no matter where you are in your fitness journey. So if you want help, you want expert coaching, and you want to finally get to the next level so you can start actually looking like you work out, head over to tailorcoachingmethod.com and click the big yellow button front and center on the screen, or simply go to the description of this podcast and click that link and apply today. The strategy call is completely free and it gives us a chance to get to know you, you a chance to get to know us. And by the end of it, we'll decide if it's a good fit and move forward. All right, let's get back to the show. Which leads me to my next point. Um, during my reverse diet, and this is a tactic I, I see every successful client I take through a reverse diet, as well as every successful 
athlete or coach. This is something me and uh, Coach Hallie on, on our team were talking about because she did a bikini show recently and we we did the same thing and it's worked wonders. We didn't change up a bunch of the food selection at all, really, right? We increased the calories. We didn't increase the variety of food necessarily. Now, that doesn't mean I'm not increasing variety at all because as my calories increase, so do my macros, right? So when I got more fat in the diet, I did increase the amount of red meat I had. I brought ground bison or beef back into the diet, but it's grass-fed, it's ground bison, it's it's amazing for you. So it's still really good quality, but the big ticker is it's easier to track. And that's why I recommend this so much. So you still want some variety. And as your macros go up, you want more variety, but your reverse diet is going to be way more accurate if you increase the normal foods you're already eating. So it's mainly coming down to avoiding some of those highly palatable and processed foods that I was talking about, but not necessarily because you can't ever have them or that you can't have them at all during a reverse diet, or you can't have them and lose weight because you can. That's what flexible dieting is. Calories are calories. It's more so because those foods tend to be inaccurate and unreliable when we consider the actual tracking process. And during a reverse diet, you're trying to find your maintenance. And during a deficit, your maintenance range is smaller. As you build your maintenance up and as you increase your metabolism, really, because you're increasing calories, you're increasing movement, both those things do increase your metabolism. You are also going to be increasing that range that you can fit things in and you are going to earn the right to be more flexible and maybe not hit your macros right on the dot. This makes it a lot easier to afford going out to eat or having Chipotle or or eating foods out of packages or that are processed because if they are a little inaccurate and you're not dead set on your targets, your macros or calories for the day, it's not the end of the world. You're going to be fine. We can just be really close within range and we're still going to get a great result because we're at maintenance and we need to stay in a maintenance range. And your body's energy flux, which is your body's ability to burn more or less calories day to day based on what you're consuming in your diet is going to be more variable. So it's going to go up and down. It's going to be dynamic, right? Whereas when you're in a de- deficit, that's not nearly as much. Your general activity is pretty, pretty set. Because your NEAT, non-exercise activity thermogenesis, is pretty low. Blinking, talking, moving, think like all those things. Like they've downregulated because of metabolic adaptation during the diet. And then when you do increase activity during a diet, when you're in a deficit and you're in that metabolically adapted state, it's usually intentional, right? You're setting step count that I got to go do. You're doing cardio that I got to go do. You're doing training that I got to go do. You have an intake that you got to go do, which means that there's less flux. There's less dynamic uh, variability. Whereas when you go to maintenance, you're going to have that range a bit and it's going to be more dynamic and it is going to go up and down and that's okay. But because it goes up and down much easier and your metabolism is much healthier, so you're not in a deficit anymore, it's also going to be easier to be flexible. It's going to be easier to your calories to go up and down just slightly and be a little bit more of a range than a dead set target and nothing bad's going to happen. You're just maintaining a result. You're maintaining a, a certain level of body fat. And so this is really important to know because when we go through a reverse diet, we do want to be pretty accurate because if we're trying to make sure that we increase at the right rate, we're increasing the right targets. So are we increasing carbs this week, fat this week, both this week, protein, is that going up or down depending on if you scaled it up way above average to help with satiety during the deficit, or you kept it lowered and you want to actually increase your protein while you reverse diet to help with thermogenesis, because we know based on research, a really high protein intake might actually lead to somebody staying or getting leaner because we think it's just because of the thermic effect of food, but who knows what it really is for. They haven't really extrapolated or dug into why it's not being stored as body fat and why it helps people get leaner outside of the thermic effect food and helping with rebuilding tissue. But they do have plenty of protein overfeeding studies that show people go into a surplus and they don't gain body fat because 
protein. So anyway, we want to be accurate so that because we're adjusting these targets and we're doing it on a regular basis. We also know that when we adjust these targets upwards, our needs going to change. So we are going to move more. We're going to talk more, blink more, speak more. Our nails are going to grow faster. Our hair is going to grow faster. Our skin's going to repair quicker after a cut. A lot of these things happen and it's kind of weird to think about, but your metabolism is something that regulates so many processes in the body that everything is speeding up. Every cellular function in your body is going to be speeding up. And when it speeds up like that, you're burning more calories day to day, plain and simple. So with that being said, we don't want to change up our food selection too much during the reverse because we want to be more accurate, more precise. And if we change a lot of the food groups, especially if we're changing to food groups that aren't in uh, that that aren't easy to track and measure, we're most likely going to be inaccurate. And the reverse diet's not going to go as well as we thought. And we're going to wonder why. And we're not going to have that data. So although it is difficult to consistently be consistent and precise with the with your food and with everything after a diet's done, this is why managing fatigue and stress, psychologically speaking, especially during the deficit in the diet is so important because then when you get to the reverse diet, you can actually handle this and do it better and be more successful with it. So, but an example of what a diet might look like. So for example, I was eating, so oats, oats are a really easy one to track, right? So I'm eating oats for breakfast and, uh, when we kept dropping carbs, I go from, let's say a cup. I always weigh in grams and I recommend that because it's more accurate, but I'm eating a cup and then my calories drop and I'm eating three fourths of a cup and then my calories drop and I'm eating a half a cup and then my carbs drop again. And I just take out the oatmeal, right? Then we start reverse dieting and I bring back a half a cup of oatmeal and then I bump it up to three quarters of a cup and then I bump it up to a full cup. Really, I'm adjusting my carbs upward but I'm choosing to use the same food source and increase that food source back like the reverse diet did. This makes it more accurate. It means that I'm, I'm going to be sure that one, my body agrees with this because I know it digests well. Two, I know it's accurate because I can. It, it's a whole food that isn't, it's packaged at times, obviously it's oats, but it's not from a restaurant. It's not in a package with a bunch of other ingredients. It's a simple single ingredient food that is just easy to track and measure. It's whole food based. We know it's accurate. And no matter what brand you get, it's almost dead spot on. And even if I inaccurately measured the whole time, let's say I was measuring it inaccurately, or like when some people measure cooked versus raw, raw versus cooked, they don't realize it. Even if you did that, but then you increased your calories the same way that you decrease them on the way down the calorie increases during the reverse diet, just like they were in the deficit, are accurate. So the adjustments are still accurate. Even though the number in the measurement is inaccurate, the adjustments of that inaccurate number of measurement is accurate. And that sounds so weird and it's a tongue twister. It's a it's an oxymoron to an extent, it sounds like. But it's keeping things consistent. So when our variables are consistent, our results are going to be better. So if we want to create success in a reverse diet or even in a deficit to lose fat, we want a standardized approach that controls the variables and it controls fluctuations so that we can control the diet, we can control the input, which controls the output, and it controls what we are adjusting day to day, which allows us to predict the result we're going to see. So if we're in a deficit to lose fat or we're in a reverse diet to recover from a diet, we want to be able to predict where we're going and how the result's going to pan out. We can only do that with standardization. Right. So this is the point of being accurate and precise with our measurements 90% of the time. Doesn't mean you can't ever be inaccurate. Everybody should have a day of the week where they're a little bit more flexible with their diet. 
if not a lot more flexible, and that's fine. But if most of the week you standardize your approach, you have precision and accuracy with what you measure, what you eat, how you eat it, the foods are similar day to day, week to week, you're going to be much more successful, right? And flexible foodies don't like to admit this, but the reality is, is if we want to get great results, that's what it takes. And during a reverse diet, we are being intentional. Like I said before, when you get to maintenance, you can you can lay off the gas a little bit. You can be a little bit more flexible. But one of the big things is just not changing up your food groups too much. Uh, and doing this allows your measurements to be far more accurate. Now, number four, the fourth tip or tactic for any reverse diet is going to be really key. This is something that I'm a hardhead with. And uh, there's been plenty of times where I didn't actually abide by this very well. However, it's bit me in the ass many times, and I am okay to admit that. So the reality of this is simple. I'm prioritizing my health and my stress management more than I have ever. If there was one thing I I wish I did better during the show, it would have been to manage my schedule, manage my workload, uh, manage my health and stress management a little bit better instead of just not changing anything. Now, I managed it and... There was no, like nothing went up in flames. Everything's fine, but it definitely took its toll on me. Like I was very, very fatigued at the end because of it. And I honestly, like looking back at stage shots and videos, I think I could have looked a little bit healthier. Honestly, I think I could have looked a little bit healthier in my face. Like you could tell I was fatigued. My body looked full. I looked good. Um, I think I could have been a little bit fuller and I think I could have been a little bit. Yeah. I just think I could have looked a little bit more vibrant, more healthy, more energetic on stage if I managed stress management a little bit better. And there's multiple factors with, you know, timelines and all that kind of stuff as well. But nonetheless, I'm prioritizing my health and stress management right now before I even try to gain any mass or go through a bulk. Because, you know, a lot of people know that the post-show period of time is pretty anabolic. Um, So they think like when you get done with the show, when you get done with the diet, when you get really lean, you're very insulin sensitive. If you're insulin sensitive, it's a good time to try to build a lot of muscle. And although that can be true, it also is somewhat... I don't know if hyped up is the right word. It, it's over, it's over glamorized. Like the insulin sensitivity uh, aspect isn't as important as we once thought it was when it comes to building muscle and all that kind of stuff. Yes, you're anabolic. Your muscles are anabolic because you're insulin sensitive and you haven't, you know, you've been deprived of carbs. You're going to soak up carbs almost like a sponge with water, but your fat is very anabolic as well, if we want to call it that, and they will grow too. So it's not just muscle that's anabolic during the post-show or post-diet period. It's your body fat as well. So before I start my bulking phase, which I fully intend to do because it's important for me to build muscle and I want to improve my physique um, and build on the areas that I know I need to uh, build on the ones that the judges mentioned, the ones my coach has mentioned, like I I want to work at this. This is a sport to me and I'm going to, I'm really committed to it, but I know that that won't go as productive if I don't first go through a health phase. So right now we're, we're in what's called a health or a holding phase. And this is like holding phase is like, okay, we got done with the prep and the cut. Now we have future goals of gaining size, but there's a lot of stress that can be applied to the body with gaining size too. You got to eat higher calories. So there's a stress on your gut. We have to train really hard. So there's a stress on your nervous system, muscular system, skeletal system, all this kind of stuff, right? So before we get to that, not only from a standpoint of like giving yourself a break from the stress, but also we got to get your body de-stressed from the first stressor, the prep or the diet or the cut, the fat loss phase, before you move into the next stressor. So your body handles it and adapts to it properly. This is why we often take clients through a primer phase, or you can call it a holding phase. 
So a primer phase is more or less what we call it when it's just gem pop. And with most of our clients, what we do at the very beginning, holding phases would be kind of like a transition. We're not really adamantly trying to change body composition to either one of these phases. Sometimes it does happen because often I tell people the physical follows the physiological, which means if your physiological health, internal, hormonal, immune function, gut health, all this stuff improves, it's most likely that your physical appearance, your body composition is going to improve as well. But we do this as a way to make sure that we can manage stress, we can build consistency, build a solid foundation, get you really healthy, get you in a good spot so your body adapts really well to the diet we're going to put it in, right? And so what this looks like is essentially, for me, it's one to two months, right? So before I start my bulking phase, which I'm, like I said, I fully intended to do, and we're going to document on YouTube. Um, and right now I'm in this health phase, which is the reverse diet, right? It's reverse dieting to maintenance and then staying at maintenance for a little bit so that I can get healthy. Um, we're just trying to fix potential micronutrient deficiencies, gut health issues, poor sleep, hormones, et cetera. And, you know, one of the things I did is I waited about a week, but because you don't want to do it immediately, but, um, one to two weeks, two weeks is ideal. Two weeks before your show, two weeks after your show. Um, I didn't do it two weeks before my show. I did a, a little bit further out than that, but I got blood work done. And so we can look at the blood work and go, okay, what is high? What is low? My thyroid function was low. T3, T4 was low, which is expected. I was dieting. My free T testosterone was actually decent. My total testosterone was low. My uh, I had some alkaline imbalances that were high, which means I need to supplement with more zinc. So I had to bring zinc supplementation back into it and magnesium supplementation back into it. You can look through all these things, right? My vitamin B was a little bit low. Like you can see like, where am I low? Where am I high? A lot of times iron, magnesium, potassium, things like that are gonna be lower after diet. T4, T3, so thyroid function. Cortisol is gonna be high. All these things are going to be high and we can see these and go, okay, well, let's start improving them. If we want to do blood work again, we can, but we know based on research, if we supplement, if we do these things, it's probably going to clear up in a matter of one or two months. So let's just do this consistently for one or two months before we get into the next stage. Now on a primer phase before a diet starts, you don't need to do this. So if a client comes to us and they just want to lose fat and we take them through a primer phase, that's more or less like we're just trying to fix normal lifestyle stressors. But for somebody who goes through a prep or aggressive diet or anything like that, this process of reverse dieting is this process of fixing these things. So sometimes you should get blood work done and see where those are at. I also tracked my blood glucose. I tracked my uh, blood pressure. I'm not gonna do that forever, but I did it at first and I'm doing it a few times a week to make sure those markers are in good place because stress can increase your blood pressure. Stress can increase your blood or, or make your blood glucose levels bad and my insulin sensitivity bad. So a lot of times people are trying to go keto or change all these things with their diet to improve their blood glucose and their insulin sensitivity. And it's just because you're stressed out and you're not sleeping, right? My sleep went to shit at the end of the prep. So my point is, is I looked at all these things and I started tracking everything I could to prioritize my stress, right? And my health. So I'm, I am tracking measurements once a week. I'm like for, you know, body composition, I'm tracking my weight every day, tracking my macros every day. I'm tracking my gym performance every day. Um, but I'm also tracking my digestion. I'm tracking my hours of sleep and the sleep efficiency. Like how good is my sleep? I'm tracking my blood pressure and blood glucose levels three times a week. I'm tracking my, uh, just on a scale of one to five, I'm tracking my mood, my mental clarity, my emotional stress. I'm tracking my fatigue. Do I have muscle soreness? I'm tracking so many different elements and it seems like a lot, but really it takes me five minutes in the morning. I look at this, this thing and I think about yesterday on a scale of one to five, scale one to five, scale one to five. And it's just boom, 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 boom. How was my digestion? How many, like how many bowel movements did I have yesterday? And on a, this, this Bristol stool chart, where was it at? We can look, we all, we all poop and we all know if it's good poop or bad poop. And we can look at a chart and actually tell us 
what does this poop mean? What does this poop mean? And where should we, what should our poop look like on a daily basis? And if we don't, if it's not looking good, there's a digestive issue going on and stress and dieting and all these things can definitely cause digestive issues. In fact, one of the most common reasons why people have gut issues, bloating, digestive stress, constipation, diarrhea, anything like that is stress. So it can be related to hormones. It can be related to lifestyle stress, training stress, any kinds of things. So I'm tracking all these things and uh, getting blood work done and looking at these things going, okay, what can I do to improve this? Once my health markers are hundred percent, I'm in the healthiest spot I can possibly be while trying to stay decently lean during this reverse. Then I can start the next phase, which is the gaining phase. So my big point is I'm prioritizing health and stress management um, because the next phase of my diet is going to go a lot better if I do that. And the reverse diet itself is going to go a lot better as well. If I make sure that I'm managing stress. And part of the reason you're reverse dieting is to improve stress and to manage stress better and recover from the stress that you created. So let's track it. Let's measure it. Let's be on top of it. Um, But go the extra mile. Don't just increase your calories. Can you look at, can your sleep get better, right? Like that's one for me right now that we're trying to tackle because I just, my sleep has been terrible for years. Like I just, I've just don't sleep well. Like when I crash, I crash, but like, it takes me forever to fall asleep. Then I started like getting these hot sweats and like the end of prep. And now it's like, I'm in and out of them. Like it's tough, right? I've gone through a lot of bad sleep stuff. So I'm going the extra mile. I'm buying like this fancy mattress pad that cools you down. So I stop sweating and waking up in the middle of the night and waking up my wife. Cause I'm soaked in sweat and I got a freaking change. I am getting a different uh, like comforter that is supposed to be cooling. It's like, they've got this NASA technology or whatever. Um, we're going to be moving. So we're not doing it yet, but eventually we want to like invest in like a sleep number or something. They're so God dang expensive, but we're going to probably invest in that eventually. Like we're, we're taking that side of things seriously. I'm taking my, my stress management, um, seriously, my recovery from my muscles. And this goes back to the term pro episode. If you didn't listen to that, I thought about that from here. How does a pro athlete manage their stress and health and recovery? So I'm going to an infrared sauna once a week because I don't have one at my house. So I'm going into this infrared sauna pod. You like put it yourself in a pod and you get the infrared sauna for 45 minutes. Once a month, I'm going to a sports masseuse and she, I'm getting a sports massage, right? I'm, I'm doing things like that. I'm looking at stretching and mobility. Like I'm going the extra mile because I want to treat this like a pro treats it, right? Whether I become a pro physique athlete or not, I'm going to train like a pro. I'm going to act like a pro. I'm going to try to pose like a pro. I'm going to practice like a pro. I'm going to recover like a pro. Who knows? Maybe I'll be a pro someday. If not, I'm going to have a pro physique and I'm going to have pro health and I'm going to have pro stress management. And then I look at the other areas of my life and I'm going to do that too. I'm going to be a pro businessman. I'm going to be a pro father, pro husband. As the whole point of that term pro podcast, you really should go listen to that. We'll link that in the description because it was an amazing podcast I did. Now, the last tip is, is, uh, that I'm, I'm giving you is, is something I'm doing as well. I'm keeping some cardio in. So I think during a reverse diet, you should keep cardio around. You shouldn't completely eliminate it. Sometimes people get done with the diet and they're doing five days a week of the stair stepper and they go, Oh, my diet's done. I'm, I lost the weight. I'm going to cut the stair stepper off. Well, that immediate shift and that immediate drop off in cardio is going to cause a big metabolic adaptation quickly overnight. And your body is going to rebound a bit. Your body is going to gain some of that body weight back. We don't want to do that. We want to reduce it. So for me specifically, And what I recommend doing is usually, you know, a good approach is to reduce your cardio by 25 to 50% at most right away. And then after two to three weeks, drop it again, another 10 to 25%. Um, And then again, like, and it's going to be different for everybody, but like, it could look like if you're doing six days a week of 30 minute cardio sessions or 40 minutes, let's say 
45 minutes is common or we can use, let's just use me as an example. I was doing seven days a week for the, for my show, which is extreme. I usually don't have clients have to do seven days a week unless they are getting on stage and we need it. Um, seven days a week of cardio for 50 minutes. Then it went down to seven days a week of 30 minutes. So that's a big drop, not quite 50%, but that's a big drop seven days a week still. And then it went to 25 minutes a day, seven days a week, which is where I'm at right now, three weeks later, three and a half weeks later. So immediately we dropped it to 30 minutes, seven days a week couple weeks, two to three weeks later, 25 minutes, seven days a week, right? The next one might be five days a week, but 30 minutes, right? So we can inch it around. So I'll take people from, let's say, again, if you're doing 40 minutes a day, for seven days a week, then you go six days a week for 30 minutes. Then you go five days a week for 30 minutes. Then maybe you go four days a week for 35 minutes. So you can play around with it, like increase the time and drop how many days a week you're doing it. You're looking at your total weekly minutes, total weekly duration of cardio, right? It's the easiest way to do the math around this. And you just reduce it slowly. And the reason we don't completely cut it out is twofold. One, because when you increase your calories, your energy output's going to be greater, right? You have more fuel. So everything you do is going to be at a higher output. Naturally, you're going to train harder. You're going to walk harder. You're going to do cardio harder. You're going to burn more calories in everything you do. Literally, you're going to talk more, fidget more, blink more, everything, everything happens at a higher rate when you have more calories because that those calories, your metabolism is using the fuel to process things better. Again, like I said, your skin, your hair, your nails, everything. So when that happens, you're going to burn more calories during, like I literally watched myself increase the speed on my, my treadmill without even realizing it. I was just like, I feel like I'm going super slow. So I just like cranked it up and I was walking for a little bit. Next thing I know, the whole time passed and I was like mobbing. And I tracked my heart rate and my heart rate's staying in a good place. So my heart rate can elevate higher for longer because I have more energy to do so. I'm not as fatigued. But the point of this is if you keep that cardio in, you're going to get a really good aerobic adaptation to it, which is good for your health. So if we're trying to improve our health during this reverse diet, cardiovascular health is going to be greatly improved from good cardio sessions. Also, you're going to be able to keep calories higher. So I might be able to bring my calories up quicker by keeping cardio in right at the gate. So instead of me dropping a ton of cardio off, and this is how most people are, I would much rather increase my calories and keep some cardio in. I want food right? Most people are that way. This allows us to do so because we're going to still be burning calories through cardio. And again, cardio is good for us. And most people should keep some cardio in their diet at all times. You know, I even wrote a note about a study that is from, uh, you know, I actually, I originally heard it from Brad Schoenfeld, who's been on the podcast. He's like the leading researcher on hypertrophy in the world, literally. And to quote him, studies on rodents show that keeping some aerobic exercise in the plan, even when on a higher calorie diet, can significantly reduce body fat storage around the abdominal area. Further research on humans shows the same thing and similar findings. And what that means is that, yeah, the majority of them are on rodents, but they replicated in humans and they saw similar findings. You can significantly reduce body fat storage around the abdominal area by keeping some aerobic cardio in the plan. And this was in a book about hypertrophy and muscle growth. So this is the book is all about gaining and bulking phases where people are like, don't do any cardio. You're trying to gain. And there's, there's validity to that because you don't want to burn too many calories when you're trying to be in a calorie surplus to gain size. However, there's also a lot of research showing that if we improve our cardiovascular health, we're probably going to recover faster between reps and sets and days per week because we're getting more blood flow and oxygen to the muscle and in the oxidative system, which allows us to recover better, which allows us to accomplish more volume. And we know with more volume, we're going to build more muscle because the more volume we have, it means we're placing mechanical tension on the muscle more often and more regularly, which leads to more muscle growth. If we can recover better, between sets, reps, and days per week in the gym, we are going to get more volume and build more muscle. So some cardio is necessary for that. 
Also, it might actually help us stay lean during this reverse diet or a bulking phase. So it's important to keep some cardio in. So my last recommendation here, my last tip is to keep some of your cardio in. By the end of your reverse diet, you probably reduce it by 50 to 75%. And I say that because if somebody's only doing four days a week of cardio and then you bring it down to two days a week for a maintenance period, your maintenance phase, I think that's great. If somebody's doing seven days a week, like I was, I probably shouldn't, you know, just barely notch it down. Like I need to bring that down quite a bit. Seven days a week at 50 minutes is a lot. However, I will say I enjoy doing cardio in the mornings. So for me, it's probably going to end up being like five days a week for 25 to 30 minutes because I enjoy starting my day with that, right? If I didn't, I don't need to. Five days a week, 25 to 30 minutes on the inclined treadmill in the mornings is not necessary at the tail end when like when you finish a reverse diet and you're in a maintenance phase, that amount is more than necessary unless it's something enjoyable, you know, and I get a lot out of the mental side of it. It also like kind of secludes myself in my garage for a little bit and allows me to focus on study because I can't really work productively on a treadmill. Just typing's hard at that speed. So it allows me study time and it kind of forces me to, to hone in on my craft and learn a bit more, which I enjoy. But nonetheless, we want to keep some cardio in. Um, and I did a whole podcast on cardio. So if you haven't heard that one, it's a coaching series podcast, really, really in depth. It's like the ultimate cardio guide. Highly recommend that um, podcast going back. I don't know what episode that is, but um, we'll try to link that in the show notes as well. Um, so tip number one, I had a post-show plan. Uh, and you should have a plan for after the plan, right? Your diet plan should include an exit strategy, a maintenance plan, a holding phase, a primer phase, whatever you want to call it. You should have a plan for immediately when the, the diet plan is over. Number two, I didn't stock up on treats and goodies and snacks before my show even happened. And you should not stock up on treats and goodies and snacks before your diet ends. And if you're fantasizing about junk food before the diet ends, you've dieted a little too aggressively. You haven't taken the right amount of stress management and diet breaks seriously enough. And uh, you probably need to work on things or get some accountability to make sure you don't binge afterwards. And this is the best way to not do so is to make sure you don't do that. Uh, number three, I have not changed up a bunch of my food. And I don't recommend a lot of my clients do that immediately because if we can keep the precision and the tracking accurate post diet during the reverse, we're going to get better results from that reverse. It's going to be more predictable. We're going to have a standardized approach and it's going to allow us to be more successful during the reverse diet. Number four, I am prioritizing my uh, health and stress management. And that's one of the biggest things because we're reverse dieting to reduce stress and improve health. So make sure you're looking at biomarkers, make sure you're tracking certain variables, maybe not as many as I am, but you're tracking things and you're paying attention to these. You're monitoring your health and your stress management to improve it along the way. And then last but not least, we're, we, we're going to keep some cardio in. I'm keeping cardio in and you should too, because it allows us to stay healthy. It allows us to go into a gaining phase or whatever the next goal is in a productive manner and it allows us to improve our health, which we all need. All right, guys, that is the end of the show. I hope you enjoyed this. That was a very deep dive into the five strategies and tactics that I recommend and I am personally doing during my reverse diet. Once again, a couple of quick things. If you enjoy this podcast, if you get value from it, please do go leave us a five-star rating review as it helps us tremendously grow the podcast, put more effort um, investments into this to make it better for you. If you have any questions or topics or guest suggestions, please click the link in the description that says, ask me a question, ask a podcast uh, question. Uh, you can just drop it in there. Any suggestions uh, for guests, topics, or questions that you would like me to answer. Um, and then last but not least, head over to youtube.com slash Cody McBroom one. Go check out the YouTube channel. Make sure you subscribe to the YouTube channel and check out our new reverse dieting series, uh, which is going to take everything you heard today and then show you how I'm actually applying it because we are vlogging the whole process, documenting my journey through it, and we're going to give a lot of value there. I appreciate you guys listening, and I will catch you next time. Mm -hmm.